0: Blog
1: Talk Radio. Black Politics Today: An eye for what's at stake in global politics, and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams.
2: Well, you all know Rick James. He loved him some Mary Jane. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Kelly Michael and Welcome to the show. Tonight, tonight, tonight. Uh, yeah, we're going to be probably discussing some Mary Jane tonight. As I do with every broadcast, I like to pause, first of all, and I always thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for just allowing me to host this show and this broadcast, and to be able to reach out across the country and just talk to the people, thank them, support them, show them, and discuss topics and issues that I think that are most important in uh vital to our uh, community and, and the things that we're doing um, in the Black community to help us, support us, that hurt us, impact us. There's so many different things that are going on across the country that uh, I talk about each and every week that's that's out there. But a lot of times I like to talk about things that are empowering us or can empower us, that can help us and motivate us to other levels of our own professional life, personal life, and whatever it may be. Uh, but it was certainly, We like to discuss and talk about whatever the social, the economic or political impacts are on our community and do so through uh, whatever means that is, whether it's public policy, political policy, whether it's social or business, um, economic, whatever the case may be. We want to make sure we talk about it, we discuss it, and we put it out there and let uh, you, the people, always determine and look at it from a standpoint of what's at stake for you and your family. Because I always want you to ask that question at the end of each broadcast: What's at stake for me and my family? And uh, there's always something at stake. So the question is: How is it going to impact you and your family? So tonight, uh, business owners, listen up! Folks who want to look and change, you know, change uh, uh, careers or get your little side hustle on, listen up! If you want to join the conversation tonight, please join us at 516-590-0143. That's five one six. 5900143 Tonight's broadcast is plain and simple, the blunt truth about African Americans and medical marijuana. In the fight for legalization of cannabis, Williams uh, Sumner suggests that one of the most compelling arguments has been the social justice argument that legalizing cannabis would stop the disproportionate enforcement of marijuana laws on African Americans. And although of African-Americans reportedly use marijuana compared to 14% of whites. We are more than three and a half times more likely to be arrested for marijuana related crimes than our white counterparts, according to the Brookings Institute. Not only that, the fact is, and has been used that we are looking at the whole idea of African-Americans and and, uh, marijuana use, But the hypocrisy of this whole legalization of marijuana permeates throughout the industry, and there is a complete lack of African-American entrepreneurs out in the industry with this broadness of legalization of medical marijuana, and in some cases, in some states, for personal use, um, that you can you, you can grow for personal use or you can sell or you can have a dispensary. Uh, various states have their different laws. So, of course, whatever states you're in, check your laws and, and know that. But the idea and the purpose or the, the point I'm trying to make is that with African-Americans being arrested three times, three and a half times more than whites, 81%, almost uh, 90% of the owners of licenses for cannabis are white, and less than 4% are African-Americans. So the question is, why are there so few African-Americans in the cannabis space? What is it that's keeping us out of this industry, and how can we succeed in this changing environment? Joining me tonight is Trayvon Dorsey. He's the founder and host of Anti Accepted Narcotics Through Introspect. It's a podcast that he uh, 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 broadcasts. And he's a former cannabis dispensary manager. He's a marine vet. He's a canny patent uh, patient and founder, a tech entrepreneur fighting for minority advocacy, fairness, and ownership in the medical marijuana industry. The Anti podcast helps to demystify stigma associated with the what being um, uh, a a POC in, in cannabis by highlighting entrepreneurs and employees forged. Change in the industry, and we're we. He says that we're on a forever mission to amplify minority brands, breaking down barriers to opportunities and influence progressive change within our community. And also joining us tonight is my good friend Ashley Stevens. She is a communications guru, on camera personality here in the uh, Washington D.C. She's offered political commentary on CNN and offered uh, legislative updates on her YouTube web show. For five seasons, she's offered commentary on TV One's hit to crime show Fatal Attraction, one of my favorites, and she's a media uh, career veteran, Uh, over 15 years of experience in media relations, and with the United Negro College Fund, serving as an education advisor for former South Carolina Governor Mark Stanford, and hosting entertainment talk shows in New York City. I want to welcome them both to the show this evening. Uh, Welcome both to the show, you guys. Thanks for joining me tonight. Uh
3: Thank you, Michael. appreciate you uh, inviting
2: me. It's my pleasure, Trey. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you coming on the show tonight.
3: Glad to be here. Great topic, Michael.
2: Uh, Well, I want to thank you for it all. And again, if you want to join the conversations, give us a call at 516-590-0143. That's 516-590-0143. So, Ashley, let me start with you. I I I always got to give it ladies first and and start with you. Of course. Certainly, since... um, uh you highlighted this uh this subject for me uh when I looked at your uh little um uh interview or your little uh I don't know what I want to call it, um uh your your uh, web show. <laughs> rep show, yeah. The, the uh, well. and you put it out on Instagram uh a web show you put on, on Instagram and I um I kind of like, Ashley, this is hot. What's going on? What? Tell me about this. So talk to me about it. Um, I got the bill up here, but go ahead and, and, and share with our listeners exactly what um, this whole idea of H.R. 1595, the SAFE Act, is talking about that Congress just recently passed in the House, which now moves over to the Senate.
3: Absolutely. So this is essentially like a medical marijuana banking bill. Uh, it passed the House in late September, it, it would ensure that banks are not punished with federal regulations for servicing medical marijuana industry. Um, Essentially, what's been happening is that banks have been hesitant to service the medical cannabis industry because it's still illegal on the federal level. So this proposed legislation, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, or the SAFE Act, it offers a sense of protection and security to bank officers and pretty much says, hey, it's okay to bank in this this space, at least for the 33 states where cannabis is legal. So this is a good thing, uh, not only for those in the medical marijuana industry, it's a, it's a win for them if this, if this should pass, but it's also good for economic implications um, for the country as well. As it currently stands, because banks are hesitant to do business with medical marijuana companies, you have a lot of folks who are literally riding around with cash and trucks endlessly or people who are stashing millions of dollars in duffel bags because the banks are afraid to touch the money because of FDIC regulations. So this bank would essentially offer protections, allow the banks to do business with the medical marijuana industry, uh, and and frankly, I think there's a larger discussion that uh, can be had uh, regarding the open doors and pathways that this can create for people of color, particularly, uh, you know, those who own medical marijuana businesses um, and are of color.
2: Exactly, right. and and Trey uh, touch on that because you yourself um, are a business owner, but we're talking about a fifty billion dollar industry, and right. clearly no one can carry around fifty billion dollars in their pocket. So <laughs> the, the 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 irony of it was that I was not aware that the banks were not lending money to uh, these startups and these businesses, or if they were, they were doing it very discreetly. But I also right. know that black folks wasn't getting it. So when Ashley brought this to my attention, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We got we, we to gotta do this. And, and I was like, yeah, let's do a show on this because I want to talk about it and put it wow. out there. You being a business owner, because I know that you and I met with you and your wife. We talked about finding investors and, and talk about doing things because you're going to be a grower, all those things. How is this going to impact you or help you? Uh, in your business, and other African Americans who are thinking about getting into the business.
0: Right. So first, let me let me uh, thank Asie for uh, making their comments on, or making her standpoint on the Secure and Fair Enforcement Act being something that minorities can actually use to progress their business. This uh, before this, we had the. Um, the states Act from Obama which which ultimately helps um, cannabis businesses uh, do business in a legal in a legal sense for their state this safe uh, banking act helps startup businesses minority businesses especially uh, get those financial funds that they need to grow their businesses currently we're in the process of talking to Investors, venture capitalists, and that can take um, that can be very time consuming. So having these banks work with cannabis businesses uh, and cannabis startups is is an easier route for us to to get into the cannabis industry. Right now, the one of the reasons why you have so many white owned companies, you know that that ratio of eighty one percent white ownership compared to less than 10% of Asian, Hispanic, and black ownership. It's there because they have the money and they have the connection. What we need to do as a community is come together. Like you having this show, this broadens out our voices to our communities to wipe out that stigma. Yes, we've been criminalized for this. Now let's take advantage of that. There are uh, there are um, what am I, what
2: am I, there are many, uh, sorry about that. Uh, That's okay. So let me ask you this. What are some of the steps, what are the steps that you and your wife took to actually get into this industry? Because I know there's somebody out there listening and saying, oh, wait a minute, now I can get to well, the bank and I can actually get some loans. What are the steps and what were the, some of the things that you had to do just to actually get in that space to be able to get the license and things of that nature? Because, in Maryland, where you are, as I understand it, there's only two people. Uh, it's Hope Wisdom. Right. I think Hope Wisdom. She has a dispensary uh, license, right. and she's one of two, which I believe is you and your wife, is the other.
0: Well, we aren't a we want we aren't a legalized business, or we don't have a license business yet. We are we pro, we applied for the license. Hope got gotcha. you one okay. of the few dispensary owners currently I believe Maryland has zero growers and that's a problem that the black caucus had to bring up to the commission there's no right. reason why, why black companies or black applicants did not get chosen for honestly the moneymaker if you, if you look at where the money goes and where the money comes from and the product everything is coming from the growth facility so the fact that we only have a, a limited amount of dispensaries out there with zero growers and a a handful of processors is, is ridiculous. So from us getting into the industry, I had to mm-hmm. from from the start of working at a dispensary or managing a dispensary, I had to uh, partner myself with like-minded people. That's the first thing that you have to do because there are carnivores out here who are, are just scratching to get into industry, but they're not doing it in the right fashion and they don't want to do it for the right reasons. They're just a they're just for the money. First thing you have to do is learn about the industry, learn about cannabis, learn about its benefits. Make that your first passion, and then from there it'll progress. Then you need to learn about the regulations and the legislation involving the, the business that you want to own. There are different regulations for each business license. You have regulations for the grower, you have regulations for the dispensary, and you have some for the processor. So first thing you want to do is get your eyes on those. I I know not too many platforms besides the NMCC, the Maryland Medical Cannabis Commission, uh, gives you access to these regulations. Right now, my team and I are working to push out products to help minority um, business owners and minority people who who are minority individuals who want to get into the industry. That's the Mm -hmm. problem right there. We don't know, and we don't know the sources to go to. We might go to the state website, but there are a t- there are technical issues that happen constantly. The MMCC has has issued um, newsletters on a rapid basis. Even working with the uh, working for a cannabis dispensary, they issued, they had technical issues that followed all the time. So one for one, we can't lay all our eggs in that one basket with the MMCC. We have to partner with other groups, minority groups out there. There are multiple. Cannabis groups. You can. You can is a, is a company uh, with Don and Tevin, uh, founded by Don and Tevin, that help people learn about uh, the cannabis community. There there are multiple um, programs. Okay, folks, write that down.
2: For... You can. You can. Write that can. down because I'm writing it down it's, right now.
0: <laughs> right. It's EUCANN. And that's their slogan because you can. Everyone can get into this industry, and they push to put minorities in these positions. That's the thing that I want to do. uh, Michael, you said anti. The the correct name of it or the pronunciation is anti. Because um, cannabis has so many anti-values, it's anti-inflammatory, anti-fungal. It has anti-everything that can actually help your body. And the government was so against Cannabis. They were anti-marijuana for so long. That's where right. the name came from. So right. what we need to do is put aside our stigma, put aside any negative feelings we have towards cannabis and, and the things that it has done to our community. We need to look at the, the benefits of us getting into this market. This could be our reparations right here, uh, to be quite frank. This is something where multiple minorities can own different segments of their business, whether that be tech, whether that be retail, anything, because this goes beyond what the licenses give. You know, the the hemp bill passed, the recently passed, and guess who capitalized on that? Everyone. Uh, You have CVS. You have Purely that capitalized on that. Now they're selling their products in CVS, and you have, Multiple businesses who are selling crappy products of hemp. We need to get our butts. I don't know if I can curse on this show, but on the internet, we're on show, the internet. We we're
2: not regulated. Go ahead.
0: Correct. Right. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: so so A- Ashley, let me, effort. go ahead. So Ashley, let me let me uh, piggyback on that because um, um, Trev has said, you know, uh, like make it our reparations and let's put away the stigma isn't that pretty much like the biggest issue because being african-american and being in a uh a, a community of of faith that we always seem to um we we wear it so deep but then we want to take it off when we want to take it off but when we're talking about like going into industries that seemingly are taboo um but have been industries that have you know, torn apart our families, or you know, cost us great financial harm, or things of that nature. Talk to us about that. Like, how do we, how do we rid ourselves of the, the the labels or the stigma and actually see this for what it is? Is business. And if we have been the victims of this for so long, why not be the the, the benefactors of it?
3: That's a great perspective, Michael. And, and I think that some of it is uh, it's it steep to your point in in culture. Um, some of it's steep very much in, in faith um, or, or, or or church culture, the notion that you know well, why should we make available the, the use of illicit substances, so to speak? Um, I, I think honestly, some of this will just take time. Um, some of the first steps here are with legislation, which I think will make it more broadly, Permissible, uh, one, and regulated, and two, just acceptable. I think it's just going to be a mind. it's going to have to take a mindset change, Michael, honestly, for a lot of folks. Um, there is a national, um, and I'm sure Trevor can speak more about this, there's a National Cannabis Federation uh, Task Force, and it includes uh, folks from all spectrums of the business community. There are clergy members on it, including clergy from the state of Maryland. I mean, it's a task force that's examining ways. In particular, to make sure that the door is open for more people of color to have access to the booming medical marijuana industry. So in terms of culture and mindset, I think it's really just going to take people realizing that there are medical benefits. This is not just someone saying, hey, this is just approved for you to do what you want to do. These are these are legitimate businesses that are helping people with, as he mentioned, anti-inflammatory everyday ailments uh, that people are seeing a lot of relief right. from. I think it may just take some time. I think it just makes some take some time and, and cultural mindset that may just have to kind of wear down over time. And as more states move to legalize, that could help um, with just a broader understanding as well. Um, and again, I think legislation like this and having support behind it really matters. Um, I know it was mentioned earlier that Maryland has zero growers, and I thought that was interesting. Um, I also found it interesting that regarding the SAFE Act, um, there was support from uh, congressional members from the state of Maryland. Uh, Congress members Anthony Brown, David Trone, Jamie Raskin, um, and John Sarbanes were among the 206 co-sponsors of the SAFE Act, so I think obviously they see value there. Uh, there were also uh, 91 Republicans who voted in, in support of this. So hopefully this will be a first step uh, in kind of moving um, the, at least the banking piece of this forward. Uh, and I'm glad to talk a, a little later on, like um, Michael as well, just kind of where the bill is heading and what that looks like as well. Um, but obviously it's past the House. Congress is currently out on recess uh, this week, but it's expected to move on to the Senate, so I think we'll see what happens there. Uh, but I do know there already are some rumblings um, that there are concerns that they're not sure um, if it will move through, mainly because some of the senators really want to see a more of a sweeping overhaul of making sure that uh, marijuana is off of the Schedule One substance list. That's part of the issue in itself. In, in, in terms of why the banks won't do business with the medical marijuana companies. Um, I believe it's currently on the same scale or the same level as heroin. Uh, marijuana right. is considered Schedule One, So that, that's mm-hmm. part of one of the reforms they want to look at and saying, hey, maybe it's not quite time to pass this banking reform until we look at other sweeping reforms. So maybe to get it off the Schedule One list, uh, to, to help those, as you mentioned, particularly minorities who have been um, negatively impacted, uh, by criminal uh, sentences and convictions based on marijuana to kind of revert, to kind of expunge some of those records. I think there's some other actions that some of the senators would like to see. Um, and so I guess we'll kind of see what happens once they're back in session and see how this bill moves along.
2: Now, wouldn't the states, when they passed it in in their various states, wouldn't they have, uh, when they decriminalized it, it, it would take it off that Schedule One listing So where is it with the the federal government side of things saying that well, as you as you provided this um, this economic transformation and from the business side of things, why wouldn't that already be included in it, especially if it can only be used currently in those states where it's already legal?
3: Uh well I can't speak I I can't speak on uh the state side of things. I can only tell you that um, in terms of the, the federal um discussion that some of the senators have argued because marijuana's classica- classification, um, it should be changed in order for us to even start talking about before we even talk about the banking regulation changes, we just need to change the, the schedule of marijuana. I'm not change sure how that's going that. down to the to the state level.
2: hmm Okay. All right, right. so Trey
0: Mike, go ahead, I was going to add on to that. I, I think um, just looking at if you look at how legislation was passed with cannabis, you know that it's, it's extremely slow. Um, every state including california, California, had passed their uh, a recreational bill um, what and after Colorado did.
2: Right, it was, Colorado mean, was the first state. Yeah, Colorado was the right. first state so, in, in California.
0: And, and, and California has had medical cannabis since the 90s. This, the process is it's excruciatingly slow. But the reason for that is because the industries that are involved, you have pharmaceuticals, you have banking, you have alcohol, you have soap, textiles, you have all these industries that are involved that are going to be financially impacted, most of them negatively. So I think the reason behind um, the Senate and it, this, these laws being passed and getting candidates off of the Schedule I, um, being a Schedule One drug, is because of the, the impact on these um, industries. But and in and, the and meantime, Right. In the meantime, while, while, the, while Congress is looking through to see if, if they should or shouldn't pass this, we can look at other states. We need to be looking at other states that, that already have recreational, or if you're a state that doesn't have either, you need to look at states that do already. Look at uh, look at their rules and regulations. Look at certain aspects of the state that can be implemented towards your business. You could be building your cannabis business right now in a state that doesn't have medical or recreational legal use, but you know with the legislation passes and you know with the timeline of cannabis that your state could possibly be that. So why not take advantage of that time right now? Connect with uh, certain minority business owners, connect with existing ones, get that mentorship, and uh, get your business going. You know, that's that's what anti is all about. We speak to business owners. We've spoken to uh, Ahithian, uh, owner of AKA Avexia. We've spoken to so many people, we've spoken to extreme Turks. These are business cannabis business owners who are using their platform to help other minorities. You can speak to them, see how they implemented uh, their, their business or see how they implemented the regulations and the rules to work for their business. They're, they're full blown entrepreneurs now. They were, work, they were working previously in corporate jobs like myself. Sooner or later, I'm not going to be a cybersecurity analyst anymore. I'm going to be uh, working cannabis, or not even working because this isn't uh, this isn't work for me, and this isn't a career. This is passion. This is something that I can give to my community. This is something that I can help change the world. That's what we're put here for. We want to affect change, and what what better not? But what better way to affect change than to uh, put your people into a position of authority and power and and actually helping those who have been who have been bantered by these laws, we can help those in prison. We can once we have these established businesses. Guess who? Guess the positions that we can offer to these these people who are criminalized for this drug. We can offer them positions so they can make a good living and carry out their debt. They don't have to.
2: That's, that's, uh, that's, that's a for, powerful, for the a right. powerful statement. Yeah, that's a powerful statement, uh, Trevin. That 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 says a lot in terms of how we need. As Ashley, you said, we need to change the mentality of this. Because right. I think about it. I think about it all the time. Uh, what we when you and I met, Ashley, and we were talking about it, and the realization of how, if we take Washington D.C. for instance, and we take it from just the gentrification perspective and how gentrification has come into the city, um, Mm -hmm. run rampant through the city. uh, And then has gotten to the point, even where folks believe that they should move Howard university uh, just so that they can walk their dogs and have their dogs, you know, do whatever they want to do on campus. And therefore they're like, well, move the, move the city. They want to come in and, Say we're going to stop the music from playing at a particular store in in the community. We're going to do this and, and and things like this. We always seem to be behind the times and behind the shift, rather than being with it or in front of it. And so what he's saying, Ashley, about you know uh, preparing yourself, even if your state doesn't have it, is very powerful. At the same time, thinking about those coming out of prison, six hundred thousand. Folks a year across this country coming out of prison every year, coming back, and some of them from doing drugs, that would be a powerful statement for us to be able to cultivate that energy and pull it together to start building business in industries that we have then once been criminalized from.
3: I couldn't agree with you more, Michael. Uh, The the notion of literally what you mentioned, rehabilitation, if that's what folks really want to call uh, elements of the criminal justice system. When folks come out, particularly people of color and who went in for drug charges, let's create some programs that get them started in researching and getting their own businesses and startups for the medical marijuana industry. I'm not saying that's not happening now. There may be groups that are already working on that. Trayvon may know more about that. But obviously I think that'd be a good thing to put some of our people back to work for some of the same crimes they were once penalized for. Now right. all of a sudden, <laughs> to your point, and I think you know, the gentrifying of uh, certain aspects of American culture has a lot to do with that, that once what, what was not acceptable um, you know, in the war on drugs is now becoming a multi-billion-dollar industry in each state. You know, so it it, it's all cool and cute now, when people were always slapped on the wrist and put in prison for long sentences, you know, for minor violations. If I'm not mistaken, one of the uh, the crime shows that I gave commentary on recently, there was a gentleman who uh, spent a year uh, in prison, and if I'm not mistaken, his arrest was for just a few, and I do mean a few ounces. Um, of marijuana that he had uh, on him at the time. And, and, and the notion now, again, it's okay. It's, it's, acceptable. it's, a, it's a whole industry now. It's just, it's just a culture shift, uh, again, in America. Um, I, I won't even go down this long road, but I'll just put this out here, and, and we can move forward. But the notion of you know crack cocaine was a problem for black people in you know, right. the 80s and 90s and so on. It, it, it was an epidemic. But now the opioid crisis, because it's a right. different uh, color face to the crisis. Now right. we right. have federal resources. Now it's a billion dollar, you know, legislation going toward programs and uh, different things. And, and you know what I mean? So right. it, it and now, is... And it, now, it now
2: we want to see the pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. for $10 billion that we're going to give to uh, uh, um, uh, what was it? Not even Youngstown. Um, uh, since Centerville, Ohio, because they were the center area for all of the opioid crisis. And now... They're going to give back to the victims. Who were the victims? Oh, the families were the victims because they used the drug, and now they are victims. But black folks were never a victim, right? They was mm-hmm. a thug. They were a drug dealer. They were a crackhead. You know, We had crack babies. We had all this stuff mm-hmm. going on. But we didn't get any uh, consideration. Right. We didn't get any medical treatment. Mm-hmm. You know, we, even when they went to court and had to be tried, it was like, well, it's a drug offense. You're a criminal because it's drugs. No, it's not an epidemic right. because, oh my God, they're addicted. You no, know, they got addicted. Well, they got to deal with that, but they're a druggie, they're a drug dealer, they're a, drug, a crackhead, but they're addicted to the crack. You're addicted to opioids. You want to go out and sell, steal, and everything else. they like, oh, poor baby. Oh my God, they died from that. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. Now a I'm not making fun of the deaths but what I am saying right. is you didn't care when black folks was dying mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you didn't mind black folks dying with crack heroin and all these other drugs that clearly we could not bring into our community ourselves right that's okay, okay
0: Mike you're not making fun of them uh, Dave yeah. Chappelle he he already put it out there
2: oh okay saw
0: how, <laughs> we saw if you saw a special I'm not going to spoil it but we saw how America treated blacks during the crack epidemic, and we see oh, yeah. we see the oh, yeah. w- we see what they're doing with the whole opioid epidemic. I'm not going to lessen this this epidemic at all, but I will say that if you're going to have programs, and you're going to have commercials, and you're going to have multiple media outlets for the victims of the of this opium opium epidemic or opioid epidemics caused by doctors and people who, who, who um, abused the drug and, and people who are doctors who have it and didn't show their, their patients the right way. You know, we, this, this is ridiculous. This is something yeah, that, it's, it's uh, this is once again, a, another topic that America has not made up for when it comes to the black, the black community.
2: No, it was it's the old thing when I, I think it was Lincoln who said, if I can if I can show um uh poor white folks that they are better than even the richest black man, then they'll always be able to, you know, follow my lead. So you got poor white folks ODing on on opioids, but you got poor black folks ODing on heroin or crack or cocaine or whatever other drug that was brought into our community right? That mm-hmm. was brought into our community and peddled on us. You actually went and bought the drug that you overdosed on and and, and right. used it for that. Right. And, and you're saying, oh no, that's something we have to fight against because they didn't know any better. But the black man who died or the black woman who had a cracked baby, oh she's just a drug dealer. He's just a drug dealer. We don't care about them. Lock them up. It's crazy. It's crazy. But I think right. we have to do something in this space where at fifty billion, it will soon be a hundred billion to two hundred billion because of like you said, the medicinal purposes, the cures and all the things that it can solve um, that we certainly need to address and try to get more of our community accepting it and and going into it. so Trevin, what what are some of the programs or what are some of the things out there that you guys are doing on on anti that can help you know uh, young folks who might be listening? decide, you know what, I can do this as a side hustle until I really get going. Like you said, you're not going to be in cybersecurity forever. So right. what, can they, what well, are some of the things that they can think about doing now that you were discussing that can help them, like, you know, you know, some three quick points that they can think about? Let me go ahead and start doing this now.
0: All right. Well, the first thing you can do is check out my podcast, of course. We go over, we outline everything that you need. You can reach me on Instagram at the number four Anti CANA, C A N N S. And there we, we talk about the different ways you can get into the industry. Don't be afraid to call these dispensaries. Don't be afraid to call the business owners. All this information is made publicly. All you have to do is call them and ask for the information. I'm not saying they'll give you the information by any means, or any means, but if you call the right ones, especially the ones who look like you, they will help you or they will point you in the in the right direction that's all it takes right now all you need right. is a finger in the right direction don't give me the middle finger just point me to where i need to go so with right. me i started at the dispensary and from there I until i you know i networked i networked with people who were at the dispensary people who were buying cannabis people who were passionate about it and from that you can find other people. You, you find other people within your networks. You go to these networking events like the UCAN one. There are so many people there you can find and so many people that will help you get, and get, get your business established, even if you have nothing. You don't have to have any prior business knowledge or not knowledge. You need some business knowledge of the cannabis industry, and that will come with time, but you just need to start.
2: Um, Sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, that's something that um, I, I, you sit there and think about. Okay, well, how much time do we have to put in? What do we have to do? How we can get started? So, I certainly want people to, to tap into your podcast um, and listen
0: and, to it. For one, go
1: ahead, go one ahead. One more
0: thing, Michael. So, so beyond that, my team and I are, are are right now developing software that will help small businesses get into the industry. We've seen the process it takes to go through a state application or a state application license. So we want to make that process readily available to minorities out there. So be on the lookout for that. Um, Absolutely. Like I said, we don't have time to wait. I, I, I get angry anytime I no, I agree, I hear, I agree. It, yeah. Anytime, anytime I see or hear the number 81% of Caucasian ownership, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, the system is unfair, and yeah, there, there were blockades put in place to keep, to keep minorities out of the industry. But guess what? This is our time. This is our time to enter the industry and take over. We are culture leaders. Everyone looks to black people and minorities for leadership. They look at us for our swag. They look at us for what we do, how we talk, how we present ourselves. Now if we present ourselves in a business structure showing people that, yes, you, you follow me for how I look, but you also follow me for my mindset. We need to present ourselves in a way that LeBron James does. He's an extreme athlete, extremely talented athlete, which most of us are. We are talented in what we do. But we need to find those like-minded individuals and build that. You're not going to build yourself just by sitting in your house and complaining. We don't need really to right. complain about it, anything anymore. We know the statistics. We know the st- We know the numbers.
2: Now and we, we know the history of it.
0: Partner up, exactly. Right, and that's and something that you learn. You learn too. If you don't learn know too much about the history, then you're going to fall into the same traps. You'll learn the same thing on my podcast. Learn your history, proceed, and you will. You, you'll come out. You'll come out on top. That's all I can say, Mike. Um.
2: Um. Um. Ashley, let me piggyback on that because as I was doing my research and looking at uh, different companies in different industries, Mm -hmm. what struck me was that uh, one of these companies, uh, GTI, they're on the Canadian Stock Exchange, and they're basically trading stock for their cannabis dispensaries that they have all over the state. They they have... um, 50 retail uh, locations across the country. Um, I, I think I counted 20-something in the in U.S., and I guess the rest of it might be in Canada. But they're, it's it's going to the stock market. So you know if it's going to the stock market, this is going to be huge in the aspects of what we can do. And then I also heard um, uh, about this, this company that's taken like um, – investors, like $200, 300 you know, investing in the industry uh, type deal. If you didn't want to get into it, you can invest in it that way. But when we're talking about, ex- you know, a uh, 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 product being exchanged on the stock exchange, that in and of itself should tell us this is something we need to get into.
3: I, I completely agree with you there. Um, if, if you see how big uh, this has become in Canada and, and a lot of the states that have already done this are seeing such incredible growth. I'm going to read a piece of a statement to you from uh, the state of Florida's chief financial officer, Jimmy Petronas. He said, uh, basically, when you're forcing businesses to operate in cash alone, it not only hinders growth, but it also causes major public safety issues. Again, not being able to bank is causing people to just ride around with double bags, like you hear that in the rap songs. The rappers right. who used to trap kept their money in a double bag, and, and that's essentially you know, <laughs> what is happening here. You know, so he's saying without swift action, the federal government is at risk of stifling. What has the potential to be a multi-billion-dollar industry in our home state of Florida alone? So that's multi-billion-dollar in just one state, out of you know the 50 states that we have, and then knowing that 33 uh, have it legally. So yes, this has huge financial implications, uh, you know, at at the state level and ultimately I believe at the federal level as well, I did want to piggyback off of something that Trayvon mentioned, and I'm glad that he has his podcast as a resource, and I I definitely encourage people to um, check that out. And in a minute, I'd love for him to shout out his Instagram again so we can hear that. But, um, you know, he mentioned the notes about, hey, do your research now, get your businesses started. Think about us as black people, right? Even as a black woman, the things that we, you know, we invest in, we spend our time on is kicks. It might be bundles. I know plenty of women that have started, and it is all to their credit, right? We, we, we do things to be aesthetically pleasing, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of women that start getting, um, you know, supplying bundles of weeds, you know, wigs, whatever, that's totally fine. Like, do your thing and have your own business, right? Because, you know, hey, circulate black dollars, I believe in that. But if we mm. also can really think about putting our mindset and our energy towards something that has verified medicinal benefits, that could really help with a host of ailments when people really open their right. minds up to it, why right. not start investing in that? Why right. not? Exactly. All the boys on the block who exactly. got locked up for whatever they did had incredible business mentality, seriously, mm-hmm. to be Great. pushing, exactly. pushing all the way that they pushed over the years and they're locked up. Absolutely.
1: So let's say right. it's
3: time for these brothers and sisters to come home. Why not channel that business mentality, even if it were street mentality into mm-hmm. a legitimate verified business in medical
2: marijuana. I agree with you, uh, Ashley. I used to always say, and I was always trying to think about just how to put it, you know, take it to the the prisons and everything else. If you got a a, uh, a dealer, he has inventory. He knows all his inventory. He has, (laughs) you know, uh, sales records. He's got um, uh, product distribution. He's got customer service. He's got marketing. He's got all the techniques and all the skill sets that he to build his business. He's just in a, a, a very rough business, illegal, and everything that he has to do to try to keep it going, he has security. You know? So he has, he has everything that he's doing. He knows if he gives out 20 bags, he knows how much money is supposed to come back. From that dealer, they had them 20 bags on every corner of every block that he's got people out there. He knows that how much he's put out there. He knows how much he's supplying. He knows what he's cutting it with. He knows everything about it. So you're right. I mean, he has the business knowledge and acumen. Didn't go to business school. Didn't go to um, You know, Didn't go to, to John Hopkins. Didn't go to John F. Kennedy. Didn't go to any of them business schools. right? He went to school on the block. Learned it from... The other dude that was before him or around him and was able to put it all together. And like you said, for medicinal purposes, given our health history, this is something that we should certainly look at and talk about. Because just from the standpoint of like my mother with Alzheimer's and other things, uh, the, the CT oil and different um, areas that you take it here, you 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 know take a drop here, you put rub it on there. And it's like grandmama, big grandma used to, you know, chew tobacco. My great grandmother Chew tobacco. She put it on the kids, and from a, uh, bee stings, and said, "Suck the sap out of there." Hey, I didn't get that, but everyone I talked to growing up, oh, big mom would do this, or big mom would do that, and it's all the things and remedies that we know about. So why not, like you said, Ashley, use this as a health, um, uh, a remedy of understanding how we can impact our home, our community, our culture. Um, from a medicinal standpoint and be able to do it legally and be able to benefit financially. I mean, it it seems like it's a, it's a win-win on each side. It's legal, it's medically approved and it's financially beneficial for us. So you can take that trifecta and be able to use that and be able to pass it down. Now you can create some legacies in our community where we can have something that's going from one generation to the next generation and as it's going from generation to generation, it's growing exponentially, economically. Exactly. So Trey, give us give us your um, Instagram information again. Talk to us because um, I know you have to step uh, out in in the area, and uh, I let my listeners yeah, know I, that uh, you had to get I, out uh, of right? so, where you um, were. Right, you have get out can you hear me? Yeah, we can
0: My, hear you. Yeah, you, hear you might hear some bass in the background, but uh, I actually wanted to add on to the culture piece um, because this is something that I'm stripped from the culture. Uh, uh, as slaves, we used to use cannabis as as um, cel- celebratory mm-hmm. items. Louis Armstrong used it to inspire his music. We need to get back to our roots and use this 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 herb for what it actually does. We need to learn our history and just transform and grow, like you were saying. But um, I can be reached, if you want to talk cannabis, you want to talk cannabis business, I can be reached that on Instagram at the number four anti-canna. That's number four, A-N-T-I-C-A-N-N-A.
2: And, and
0: your show broadcast television. on what day? Uh, I, th- I think so. The, the audience can can catch up on a few of the uh, few of the existing episodes, and uh, it'll be airing once again. Um, since I'm in the middle of building um, the tech software, uh, I have been on hiatus, but I will okay. be returning, and we'll be doing okay. um, shows every Friday.
2: Okay, every Friday. We're going to be looking forward to it. So talk to me like this. What's at stake for us in this industry? What what do we have to be uh, uh, laser focused on in terms of the benefits and also in terms of what can, you know, uh, harm us or pass us by? What's at stake for us?
0: So the first thing you want to be cognizant of are the growers and the processors. All your medicine is coming or all your cannabis is coming from them. So you want to know what's in your medicine. If you're out there and you just want to partake in it for now and then get yourself in the business, learn the quality of the cannabis. There have been a lot of uh, memos coming out from the NNCC talking about the whole vaping issue. Some vapes have contaminants in it, have uh, pesticides. Those things you want to be aware of, whether that's listening to the podcast or that's going onto your state website just to check out the certain memos. You don't want to be putting in a harmful toxin in your body that you expect to, to prolong your life. We don't want to do that. Look to exactly what you're using. Like I said before, there are, there are carnivores out here who are getting into the industry just to make a quick buck. Learn the cannabis. Learn the business. And, I, and when I say business, I mean the product. Once you learn the right. product, the business will come along. Just like you said, what you your dope boy on the on the on the side. He learns his product first, and then he learns his business. That mm-hmm. the customers and all that will come with time. Right. But you need to be need to be a master of one to achieve the other. And like I said before, once that once you get your networking in place, your team will build, and then they will teach you. As
2: you grow, sounds good, sounds good, Ashley, what's at stake for us
3: at stake? I believe honestly is being closed off to un, uh to unlimited possibilities i mean uh, frankly in in the medicinal world of healing and also just in the financial world of uh of, of capital um i I think we uh, as a community um those of us who are not yet uh, open minded to this maybe just selling ourselves short. Um, And as we talked about the cultural hindrance earlier, particularly in the church, I'm a strong church. I love the Lord. I absolutely do. And I also believe that if God created heaven and earth, that there were things put here on this earth specifically to heal us. Um, So I'll say that, you know, my personal note is that things are here for your benefit and for your use, but not for your abuse. Um, Right. I would love to close on a note um, that is actually a scripture. And look, this is not me being a, <laughs> I'm nobody's preacher, but I just say this to say for folks to kind of open their minds to the fact that, that uh, you know these plants were put here again for medicinal benefit again not for abuse. Ezekiel 47:12 says, "And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water from them flows from the sanctuary." Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. So that's all I got on that. I think there are a lot of aspects, uh, beneficial aspects to medical marijuana, but as Trayvon said, do your research. Know exactly what you're getting into. And for those who are using, do your research before you put anything into your body or on your body. Know what what you're getting into. Um, But for those who are uh, entering the the business, um, I think it's a a limited gateway of possibility um, that, that America has yet to fully tap into.
2: Well, I want to hold you for one second because I just realized that we had a caller holding on the line, and I, I did not see their, their call come up. So I'm going to find out exactly uh, what we have. Hello, caller. You're on the air.
4: Hi, this is Mercedes Teasley. Uh, this is, hey, Michael. It's Mercedes. It's Trayvon's wife. <laughs>
2: hey, okay. How you doing? You were just listening um, well, in. How are you
4: guys? <laughs> I'm
2: good. I'm good. I, I, I was like, Oh, we got a caller. I didn't realize that. So you were listening in. What do you want to add that uh, uh, Trayvon may have not added or uh, uh, omitted uh, in all of his uh, eloquence of what he was saying? What did you want to add in terms of what you guys are doing and how powerful this is for you to, to start out uh, and where you're going?
4: Yeah, actually, it was, it's perfect because it, it spins off of what you were talking about. What are, we, what are we leaving out if we're out of this industry, if we're not in it? Um, so in 2020, Trey and I, I mean, you know, we're passionate about progressing the culture. That's really all that we talk about. Um, and at this point, you know, we were just like, okay – all of the stuff that we had to go through to finding contractors to getting investors, many people don't realize that when you're launching a cannabis business, there are very high obstacles that you have to overcome. Things like getting investors to invest a million plus in your business, you need startup capital when you're going to ask for these licenses, they are looking to prove for you to prove that you can get people to back the idea that you're launching. It's like going on Shark Tank, except for your. it's not publicized. Somebody's going to look at everything that you've presented, your net worth, what's in your pocket, what you own. You understand there's so much. So um, we are really passionate about making sure that the culture com- completely understands and is 100% ready and on board. In 2020, we, um, we will have quarterly events. Uh, where we'll be helping to launch cannabis businesses with investors. We'll be bringing minority investors to the table. We'll be helping with branding and we'll be helping you launch your ambassadorship with marketing, with marketers on the grassroots on the ground um, and leads flowing into your business because your net worth, your network is your net worth. You know, just like we met you, Michael, at that event, we're, always, when we're looking for investors and we're out there talking in these circles, we are usually the youngest in the room and we're usually talking about big ideas that other people in the room are so afraid of. But exactly. that's because, you know, we grew up in an era of no boundaries, right? So we, we're we living this lifestyle that we envision for ourselves and traveling and working from home and working from everywhere. But we, you know, this isn't something that is, that every, these are big progressive ideas that, you have to build a, 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 a team around and some understanding for people to shift their paradigm to really capture what the essence of everything that's going on. This is bigger than just cannabis, marijuana. This is bigger than, you know, sentence reform. This is talking about, I'll tell you, there are, uh, the Institute for Policy Studies um, produced a study uh, back in 2017, 2017 September 11, they said the report. It's titled "The Road to Zero Wealth," and it stated in that that in, by 2043, Blacks would have a median net worth of zero dollars, and that by 2054, Hispanics would have a, a median net worth of zero dollars. It's a very scary idea. That means that. Half of us, about half of us would have high net worth, 100, you know, uh, you know, 1 million plus, you know, 150 million, 10 million plus. And then the other half of us would be, there is almost no middle class. It's phasing out. The other half of us are going to be in debt. So, well, that's, that, I mean, that's a powerful, idea. that is
2: a powerful report that uh, we certainly yes. mentioned the report again. Yes. So that our listeners can hear about it. What was the report?
4: So, the report is The Road to Zero Wealth, and it was produced by the Institute for Policy Studies, September 11th in 2017. And so, when I say that cannabis is bigger than just cannabis, this, when you're partnering with other minorities in the industry, you are building connections that will allow you to take to launch a business or launch a brand, it doesn't matter if you want to just do marketing in cannabis or cannabis consulting or if you want to be a technical provider or security and transportation provider or if you want to be a cannabis lawyer or a CPA. There are, you can build cannabis websites. You can be a cannabis currency conversion. Right. App. You, there are so it's many things. It's like different the auto things. industry.
2: Yeah, it's like the auto industry. You can do from the the repairs to everything that's involved in it. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. I'm I'm glad we We caught you.
4: We need people who print. We need people who mop the floors of cannabis businesses. And we need those to be black contracts. You understand right. we need black right. janitorial contracts, black security contracts. We need contractors for cannabis businesses. So if it sounds too scary to grow or to process or you don't want to get caught up in the legalization of that, you can still lend a helping hand and make and make and abundantly provide generations For your family, so that we can get into other things. And this is how we're going to combat that road to zero wealth by 2043. This is how we're going to overcome all odds and obstacles against us, as we always do, because we are so powerful and so strong as people, is that we're going to use cannabis as a launching pad, right? Because once we get into these circles where we're launching cannabis businesses, I'll tell you, we have private invitations to dinners from state representatives. We talk to legislators and governors on a the, on the regular basis. We are now having powerful conversations with powerful people, and that's how you create a network around you that builds up your businesses and protects the businesses that you put into place. And then you can take cannabis and jump into augmented reality, virtual reality, gaming, agriculture, tech, Trading, robotics, agriculture, engineering, whatever you're interested in, all of these different conversations and tables that are happening without black people at the table. That's why we are at Zero Wealth Projected for 2043, because we are always behind the curveball when it comes to things that are up and coming in this country. Elon Musk is prototyping uh, um, trains that have no rails. Railless trains—they are moved by electromagnetic currency. Uber has is prototyping flying cars and and drone delivery services, you know. And uh, they're saying that right. virtual reality and augmented right. reality and these things. And we need to get into that. And we need to get into that. Black people, right? Yep. Because black people aren't at these tables. We're not. We're we're our characteristics, our faces you, you're aren't absolutely included right. in these things. And we have to be a part of this. And Canada you're too, absolutely is the right. launching pad for that. So we just need to come together. We have to shift our paradigms, come away from religion as a as a clutch and as a crutch to, to do nothing. We have to stand up and take action. You're praying to God for clarity, but God already gave you everything that you need to be successful. He put it right here in front of you. He's now waiting on you to take action. Take Don't action. Don't pray anymore. Yes.
2: That's, that's a powerful statement we can leave on right there. Take some action. Yes. Ashley, I yes. want to thank you so much for starting this discussion. You have put it out there because Mercedes was hot. She was sitting there holding. I didn't know yeah. she had all that left up in the yes. boy. Was, I'm glad she did. I'm, I'm she, glad she did. But, I
3: mean, I, I just encourage folks. Listen, all this information is out here, as they mentioned. I encourage folks. I love keeping up with legislative updates. So feel free to, feel free to find me on uh, YouTube, Ashley Stevens, A-S-H-L-E-I. Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S. And then keep up with political stuff, congress.gov. You can track this bill. You can track other legislation uh, related to this. And uh, just stay up on what's happening. Knowledge is
2: power. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ashley does her uh, her web show, her web uh, cast. And uh, she posts that on Instagram as well uh, uh, as her website, ashley.com. And so certainly check her out. Reach out to her. And then Trevin uh, does his uh, podcast, so he'll have that back on. So go to his podcast and listen to his show and catch up on his old episodes and and listen to what's going on to help you prepare yourself so that when he starts and kicks back in gear that you have that. And then, of course, uh, you can listen to Black Politics Today every Monday night. So I want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Great topic. I'm certainly going to do a show on this uh, Road to Zero Because I have to get that information and talk about that because I am always talking about our net worth, our opportunity zones, and all these other things that are going on around us in our community that we are not participating in. And our participation is very limited whenever we do participate in some areas. And we, I mean, the the cultivation of our resources together to build and to promote and to grow is vital to our existence because that right there, as you said, is scary. Um, uh, uh, Mercedes, it's, it's it's a travesty because right now our average net worth is eleven thousand dollars. So to to some extent, it's it's crazy. So we have to deal with that. Go ahead, Trevor. You want to end on a note?
0: Yeah, I, I want to say one thing. Uh, if you have no idea what to do, if you have no business idea, the, the easiest thing I can tell you right now. Is to become an advocate. Reach out to your your uh, your chapter, your normal chapters out there. Reach out to Maryland normal. Reach out to the minority uh, cannabis business association. They're out there to help you as well. You know, like I said before, the resources are out there. You just need to to listen to them and find them. And that's what we're here for. But I, I wanted to mention just one more thing, Mike. Um, the thing that's at stake. Is our freedom. And this is something that can get, this is something that we can use to attain that. This is something that we can use to attain our freedom that's been stripped from our ancestors and that could possibly strip from us from basically what my wife said and that zero X,
2: um, uh, what was it that? Zero, zero in, to, right, road to zero wealth. Exactly. Yeah, the network. Exactly. That was powerful. i Going to research that and look at that and uh and oh, yeah, uh, have, have Mercedes. So be ready because uh, I'll probably have you back <laughs> on the show to, to talk about that as well as Ashley and, and others and uh to discuss that. But I want to thank my guest tonight, Ashley Stevenson, uh, um, Trevin, um, uh, Trevin, what's your last name? just just lost your last sure. name, man. I, I, um, I
0: got you. It's, it's
2: Trayvon Dorsey, Trayvon Dorsey. That's right, <laughs> Ashley, uh, Ashley Stevens, Trayvon Dorsey. And uh, Mercedes, Mercedes, firecracker. She just comes in and just blows us out in the last (laughs) second here. (laughs) Okay, I want to thank you all. As I say, for each show, there's always something at stake, and there's always something for us socially, economically, politically. Whatever it is, know what it is that is impacting you and your family. Know what's happening around your community and get out there and fight. Do something about it. Don't sit back. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Pick up the stick, right. pick up the crutch, pick up whatever it is you have to pick up and move forward and march. Because if you don't do it, will. And if you're not doing it for your family, who's going to start? Until next week, if it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. Again, I want to thank my guests and uh, look forward to looking, hearing what's going on with you, Trev. Uh, Trayvon, as well as you, Mercedes, and your business. And we're going to be looking forward to uh, having you back on the show real soon and discussing the victories that you guys have produced and the other businesses that you've helped out. Until then, thank you. thank you, good night. All right.
1: Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today, an eye for what's at stake in global politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.